Is it me or you? Hello. Good morning. Hey, how about that? Hidden power and mute buttons, aren't they wonderful if you get them right? My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Very excited to have you with us on this glorious Sunday to come and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is such a pleasure to do that um, with so many people who desperately love him. So many people who are not afraid to to shout out the glory of his name and to do, throw, to do so through song. Um, I just, uh, for, periodically uh, during Sundays, I will stop singing uh, much to the enjoyment of the people around me and will just listen. And uh, today, you're in good form. Uh, well, I, well, I don't really know about y'all. Y'all, because um, that's where I was sitting. Way to go. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hear God's people singing together. We are, as Daryl said earlier, in the middle of a series, Summer at the Movies. This is our fifth week. You have missed. Uh, we're doing sports movies all summer long and uh, wearing shorts all summer long, except today. I know somebody said, you sold me out. I wore shorts for the first time. And well, I couldn't, you know, go. I couldn't bring myself to do both, the jersey and the shorts. I just, I do have some sense of decorum. Very little, but um, not much. It, so it is a casual summer, and we're, we're encouraging you to come as you are. And actually, I want you to do that all year round. If you want to wear shorts in December, great. More power to you. We have been doing sports movies. You've missed Cinderella Man, The Legend of Bagger Vance. You have missed uh, Cars. And you have missed one other one that I, I wasn't here for, apparently. Miracle. Yeah, that's right. That was last week, wasn't it? How soon I forget. So here's the thing. I know that um, I, I, because I have only lived 33 years and I have only a limited knowledge of stories and things that have happened to me, I tend to repeat myself over the course of the three and a half years that I've been doing this. In fact, I was telling our sound man today, I had to borrow his pencil. I started writing the date in my Bible when I use it and during what series by the text that I use because I'm, because I usually put brackets around what I'm reading because I'm finding that I'm duplicating stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I did that two weeks ago or three years ago. And then I started thinking about it. Okay. If I don't remember, <laughs> nowhere are they going to remember. So I'm going to tell you a story that you probably have heard before today. And if you remember it, um, don't stop me. Be nice to the people around you because maybe they haven't. You might notice I'm wearing a little something different today. Red Sox jersey. Yes, this is an official jersey. It is their alternate jersey for St. Patrick's Day that they've worn once. I've gotten comments about that too. When I was a kid, nine years old, we moved to Connecticut. We moved from Lubbock, Texas to Connecticut. Culture shock, right? We were in the panhandle of Texas, the desert, if you will, pretty much. And we move up to Simsbury, Connecticut. Um, Connecticut, the highest society of the Northeast. And we moved to Connecticut. And I'm this nine-year-old kid. I have a southern accent. I've lived all my life in various places in Texas. I go up to Connecticut to all these people. And let, anybody from the northeast in here? I know there's, I see a, okay, a few of you. Okay, I apologize for the comments that I'm about to make. You're mean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, you know, it's kind of the typical stereotype of northeasterners. They're kind of mean. They're rude. They're not as friendly as we are. You know, you meet somebody on the street and they're like, hey, how's it going down here? You meet someone on the street, you say hi to them. They're like, what do you want? You know, what's it to you? How's my day going? You know, and they get a little, I think it's because they have to spend most of their lives indoors because it's so cold that they get bitter about that. And so when they're out and about, they're just mean. Um, But not y'all because you saw the light and came back to Texas or to Texas. 
So I get up there, I'm nine years old, and I, I'm a lot younger than my siblings, my brother and sister. And so they went off there doing their thing, and I'm trying to find my way in a new culture, basically. I'm trying to find my way in this new town. It was, I was no stranger to moving around, but I was trying to find my way in a new area of life. And how did I do that? Baseball, little league team. You know, that's one of the things that boys can get involved in quickly is you get onto a team and you don't have to be great to play little league. You don't have to be an all-star to play little league. You just got to be there really. So I I signed up to play little league and, you know, I was kind of into baseball moving from there and I got really into it there. And the cool thing about living in Connecticut is you're close to Boston, at least where I live in Connecticut. And the cool thing about where my dad worked, Coleco, Cabbage Patch Doll fans, remember that? Yeah, Coleco. Yeah, we had thousands of those at my house. It was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, my dad worked at Coleco, and his company had seats, season tickets to Fenway, to the Red Sox. And he took my brother and I, I was nine at the time, to see a game. We rode the train into Boston. We went, sat three rows up from the third base dugout. They were playing the Kansas City Royals back when – uh, Bo Jackson was on the team. He had the biggest arms I've ever seen in my life. But, um, and I remember it so vividly. Wade Boggs on third base, Mike Greenwell in the outfield. I remember the team. I remember the game. It was a moment of my life that I just, I just felt something. If you've ever been to Fenway Park, you know of what I speak. Or Kyle Field, you know of what I speak. Or that other stadium up the road in Austin, you might know of, uh, probably not, but... That's right. I went to A&M also. But I felt something. I was a Red Sox fan. We went to Yankee Stadium later and saw the Yankees play, I think, the Oakland A's or somebody. I don't really remember. Didn't care. It was like, you know, we went to the evil empire, saw the way the dark side lived. But then we came back home to Fenway. I just loved the Red Sox. I, I really got into them. And I started following them. It wasn't sure. We actually only lived in Connecticut for a year and moved down to Louisiana. Another culture shock. And... In Louisiana, I was the only kid that I knew of in probably the entire state that had a Boston Red Sox starter jacket. Remember the starter jackets, those slick jackets, and you'd have the... I had a Boston Red Sox starter jacket that I would wear with all these kids wearing their LSU Tiger jacket and all stuff like that. Whatever, New Orleans Saints, who? You know, I was wearing the Red Sox jacket. I remember exactly where I was when Bill Buckner let the ball go through his legs against against the Mets in the World Series that would have won the Red Sox the World Series. I remember where I was. I was wearing my Red Sox jacket upstairs in our house in Ruston, lying on uh, the floor, watching the game, and the ball goes through, and I scream. And my mom's like, what's wrong? Buckner just missed the button. She has no idea what's going on. I was just a kid, but I was so into it. I remember where I was when the Red Sox finally achieved victory in 2004, and they won the World Series finally. I'm just a Red Sox fan. I love the Sox. I got all kinds. This is, if you ever see me out and about on a day that's not a Sunday, I'm generally wearing a baseball hat. And this is the hat I wear. I have many hats at home, but this is the hat I wear. My hunting hat is a camouflaged Boston hat. If you see me dove hunting, I will be in a camouflaged Boston hat. Deer hunting, same thing. I'm a Boston fan. There was a time in my life recently that uh, I had a great separation occur. I was at a friend's lake house about a year and a half ago. And we were on jet skis, he and I, uh, the, the guy and I were on jet skis and we're tooling around and everything. I got my socks hat on. And, and I don't know if you remember the scene in the movie Titanic uh, where the lady is, I can't remember her name right now, but she is lying on, it's after the boat sunk, hope I didn't ruin that, um, is lying on the board and she sees Jack just falling away like that. Okay, my hat falls off, I swing around to get it and that's what I see. 
the hat just sinking like this. Perfect. The bee showing me. I'm like, no, reaching for it. Well, I will say his name. Chris Jones is on the other jet ski laughing at me. He was at the 930 service. I remember that, you know, and I was so devastated because that hat was a hat I'd worn for a long time. And I got it in Maine, in Bar Harbor, Maine, when my wife and I went up there. I needed another new Red Sox hat. And so it was special to me. You know, it meant something. We got it in Maine, close to the Mecca, you know, and, you know, we watched a game. It was during another run for the Red Sox up to the World Series. And it was great and wonderful. And it was gone just like that. I was very saddened by that. Okay, maybe I take the Red Sox a little bit to the extreme. Um, I had some friends that suggested when Corbin, my son, was was coming that I should name my child Ted, after Ted Williams Crocker. Ted Williams was a Red Sox. Or Ted Schilling Crocker. Kurt Schilling is current Red Sox. Something like that. That was a little far for me, I think. But I did want to paint the green monster in his nursery. If you know anything about Fenway, that's their left field wall. It's famous, this huge green wall. I wanted to paint that actually one wall in his room, the green monster. Awesome idea, isn't it? No. <laughs> I lost that battle. But I did get the Boston Red Sox colors on the walls. There are the Red Sox red and blue in stripes on his wall. I just, I have this thing about the Red Sox. You know, I really dig them. I like them. I, I don't know if any of you are like that with, with your team, whatever it is. I, I know that uh, my in-laws are Spurs fans. Really big Spurs fans. And I hope I can say this. I've said it before. They get into these defensive positions during some of the different uh, interactions of the Spurs. Like if they need a stand, my father-in-law, most of you all know him and know he's a great guy, follows after God, great heart. little crazy when it comes to the Spurs. We'll stand like this. This is a defensive stand position. Seriously, I'm not lying to you. If they're at their house, they will stand up and do this. If the, spur, if the spurs are doing well and maybe he has his feet up, feet aren't coming down until something bad happens. Oh, yeah, they're nuts. Some of you go to him as your doctor. <laughs> Think of that next time you're going in saying, I have a little cough. People get on board with something and they just grasp hold of something. And they just fall into it and they fall apart. And they, I'm a part of the Sox. When the Sox win, woo! When they lose, oh! When they beat the Yankees, yeah! There's things that happen because I feel a part of the team. Because I grew up with them, following them, watching their players. Do y'all have anything like that? The, the movie Fever Pitch is really a love story. But it revolves kind of around the Red Sox. And they actually had to refilm the ending of the movie because the movie came out in 2004 when the Sox won the World Series. So they went back before they released it, changed the entire ending, and then filmed right there on the field when the Sox won. If you go and watch the movie, they're on the field with the Red Sox, Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. How awesome is that when the Red Sox won the World Series? And and so it's a... I know that there are a lot of guys in Boston and the Red Sox nation who could care less about Drew Barrymore, but they went to see that movie because they love the Red Sox. See, the character that Jimmy Fallon plays is a Red Sox fanatic. He takes it to another level. And there's a scene in here that we're going to watch right now that he is letting Drew Barrymore, this character, know. They're just beginning to date, and they're really kind of falling for each other and everything. And he's got to tell her, I'm a Red Sox fan, and, and this is kind of how he does it.
you know, when you're getting ready in the mirror, uh, just when you're about finished, you go like, it's so cute, I want to kill myself. Uh, hey, when's your break? Hmm? You know, for your school vacation. When do you get off? End of March. That's when you're in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Well, it's a really big deal in my family because it's my dad's birthday and Easter and my sister's anniversary all in the same week. Classic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how'd you like to come? Ooh, too fast, too serious? Uh, no. Why? Did I look like I was just... You were a little... No, no I, 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 made, I have a previous commitment. Oh. Plans? Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I didn't tell you about it because I knew you were going to be away and I figured it wouldn't matter, but every year during Easter vacation, uh, me and my friends, we go down to Florida. You and your buddies go down to Florida for spring break at your age? No, 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 not spring break. Spring training with the Red Sox. Oh, you get to train with the Red Sox? Are you allowed to do that? Well, we don't actually. We, we watch the games. Aren't those just practice games? Yeah, yeah, but it's more to it than that. I mean, we scout the players, we, we say which players they should keep, which they should get rid of. And, and the Red Sox ask your opinion? Well, not yet, but if they ever do, uh, okay, I, I, I've been avoiding this. I, there's something you don't know about me. Oh, God, here comes a bag of hair. The thing is, uh, I am a Red Sox fan. Yeah? No, I'm, I'm like a big, big Red Sox fan. I know. I mean, I've been to your apartment seen the Red Sox dish towels and glasses and the Yankee toilet paper. It's like you live in a gift shop. It's worse. See, when I was a kid, I moved here from New Jersey. I didn't have any friends or anything. So my Uncle Carl started taking me to Fenway Park. I just, I got lost in the game. I mean, the ballpark, and the people, the color, the sounds, the smells. And then he got cancer and he died. And he left me season tickets. And it's a passion. I mean, it's a very, very big part of my life. And it's been a problem with me and women. Ah, ah, I know those women. So pay attention to me, and why aren't you talking to me? Yeah, exactly. God, those women are so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, why are you getting so worked up for? I mean, you're not even doing it. You're watching it. Yeah. It's like, hey, how about, sometimes I, I like to be 11 years old. I, I like being part of something that's bigger than me, than I. It's good for your soul to invest in something you can't control. You're a romantic. Hmm? You have a lyrical soul. You can love under the best and worst conditions. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, uh, you took a really big chance inviting me to meet your family. Now I'm going to take a chance. A big one. Will you go to opening day with me? 
<laughs> yes. 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 You hear that? You said yes. Look, Merry Christmas. Clarence, look where everyone showed up. We're going to opening day. It's official. I've got to find some Yankee toilet paper. That is awesome. But one of the lines he says in there is great. He says, I love being a part of something bigger than me. I love being a part of something that's greater than I am, just really losing myself in the pursuit of something that's bigger than me. It's good for your soul, he says. Well, he's actually speaking very theologically, although I'm sure they didn't plan it that way. There's a theologian by the name of Rudolf Otto that speaks of this, of what Jimmy Fallon's talking about there, speaks of this creature feeling, is what he calls it. This creature feeling that basically is something deep inside of every person that is pushing you to long for something bigger. There's a hole, there's a need inside of all of us where we've got to belong to something greater. We honestly, desperately want to belong to something bigger than we are. It's good for our soul. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, chapter 1. He's writing to the people of Rome, and, and, and he speaks almost perfectly to this. Verse 18, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push their truth away from themselves. I love that, who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. Think about those words right there. That's a complete series on itself. For the truth about God is known to all of us instinctively. We know the truth about God without ever hearing it. We know it. He goes on, God has put this knowledge in our hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. Instead of worshiping the eternal Father, the creator of all things who you go outside and you can't see something that he wasn't involved in. Instead of worshiping God, we create something inside of ourselves and we create these false idols and we worship these teams sometimes, like Jimmy Fallon is talking about. A few scenes later, Drew Barrymore's character is at her home and she's watching the television and they they do a little broadcast from spring training in the Red Sox. And I don't know if you remember this, but they have Jimmy Fallon, because, you know, wow, what a coincidence, it's a movie. Um, uh, You know, they're interviewing him on uh, the news, and he basically prioritizes his life as the Red Sox first and everything else second. You know, my life, this is the most important thing in my life are the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to belong to something that's greater than himself. He longs for that. And you know what we all do? We all have that need, that hole in ourselves that we're searching for something greater to believe in. We're searching for something amazing to latch on to. 
For some of us, it's sports teams. You can see the people and you know the people who are just nuts and fanatic about their team. Those guys who are Jets fans and they go to the Jets football games when it's two degrees outside and they're wearing shorts and body paint from head to toe. The guys are nuts about the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And they're willing to do crazy things because they love that team and they want to be a part of that team and they feel like they are. Like Jimmy Fallon says, oh yeah, we decide who can play and who can't play. We decide who should be on the roster and who, you know, do they ever ask you? No, but if they do, we're ready. How many of you yell at Popovich to put somebody in or to pull somebody out of the game from time to time? Pull him out, he can't hit a thing, put in Manu. Yeah, we all do that. How many of you get so incensed at your university football coach because things just aren't going your way? How many of you were so mad at Mac Brown for so many years because he couldn't beat Oklahoma? Ah, anybody could beat Oklahoma. Then he beats him. Oh, you're the greatest. Thanks to a guy who's no longer there. But we, we get so involved in these things that become a part of us. We really want to believe that we are a part of it. Something greater and bigger than us. But it's not just sports. You know, we, we do this with celebrities, too. We look to these celebrities, these people who, who really are just like us, but we look to them and just go, wow, I am so sick of hearing about Lindsay Lohan, I could just throw up. You know, I don't care if she's going back to rehab. I don't. I'm sorry. God grant her peace and direction in her life and forgiveness and get her on the right path. But I don't care if she's fallen off the wagon again, if she's taking another beautician with her to go to rehab. Do you know that she did that the first time? She took like a hairdresser with her to rehab? Yeah, I don't care. But people really get into that. Britney Spears had another breakdown. Who cares? Angelina and Brad Pitt, are they or aren't they? I, I don't care. But there are people that TiVo, Access Hollywood, and shows like that to make sure they know what's going on in these people's lives because these people are so amazing and wonderful. No, they're not. They're just like us. They're fallen. They're searching for something bigger and greater than themselves. And a lot of times they're looking in lost relationships or they're looking towards drugs and alcohol. They want something bigger in themselves that they can believe in. That's why they're falling. That's why they fall and have these breakdowns and go to rehab. They're just like us, but so many people look to those stars and go, wow, if I could only be like him or her. We don't just do it with celebrities either, do we? We do it with just people we know, people at work, people in our lives. We look across the street at the Joneses and say, man, that family's got it all together. They got a great house. They got, you know, a vacation home. They got this and that. Their family seems so tight. I want to be just like the Joneses. We set them up on such a high pedestal that we begin really to worship them. That family that we really don't know anything about. Maybe inside the Jones house, things are crashing and in turmoil. We look to them, oh, I want to be like them. We do this because we want to feel a part of something bigger and greater. We want to strive for something amazing and wonderful. God put that desire in all of us. And and what has he done? He sat back and he gave his life for us and said, dude, there's nothing bigger to be a part of than me. 
Come on. Get on my team. He's not going to make us love him because you can't make somebody love you. He wants desperately for us to find and fill that hole in our life, that thing that we're looking for that's greater than us. He wants us to find it in him. To cast aside the Red Sox and the Horns and the Aggies and the Spurs and the Jones family and Lindsay Lohan and whatever else, and to look to him and to say, You're the one. You're the one. I'm no longer going to be foolish and make myself idols out of things that are made by man because nothing can fill the hole in my life like you can. No World Series victory can take the place of my salvation of a loving God. That's what it's all about. It's it's finding that thing that is greater and more powerful than anything else in this world. It's getting rid of your idol. It's finding that thing that you have set higher than anything else. Something that you want, to, you want to be a part of this because it's greater and it's bigger and it's more special and more powerful. And you want it to be the center of your life. Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's pornography or drugs or alcohol. For me, I think it's my children. I think it's Gracie. I've set her up on this pedestal. I love her terribly. I love her so amazingly hard. And sometimes that love gets better and stronger than my love for God. And I have to go, whoa, wait a minute. As much as I love my daughter, as much as I painfully love her, he's the one who created her. He's the one who blessed my life by bringing her into it. He's the one that my love should be going to. So we've got to take these idols and these things that we worship so greatly and just lay them at the feet of the cross. We've got to just lay them down and say, God, I can't handle it anymore. I am way too involved in this, and I need to lay it at the foot of the cross. We need to focus ourselves and our sights and our hearts back on what's important. Ask yourself the question, who is most important in your life? Who's your father? Lay the rest of it aside. Take these idols that you've created for yourself and these things that you worship and these things that you hold so dear and you find so personal and so amazing and ask yourself, who's your poppy? Who's your poppy? For those of you that don't know, David Ortiz is poppy. He's a player for the Red Sox. But in truth, who's your poppy? Who's your daddy? Who's your father? Who's the one that created you? Who's the one that loves you more than anything that nothing can take the place of? It's God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Don't be a fool any longer. Grasp hold to what is truly important and magnificent and bigger than yourself. If you're looking for something to latch on to, it's not a sport team or a person or a celebrity or anything like that. It's God. Who's your poppy? Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, you are the creator of all things, the giver of life. You love us so desperately and deeply that you long for us to be a part of you. So much so that you are willing to give up your godship and to live here on earth, to know what we know, to feel what we feel, and to transcend it 
to the suffering and death that you went through, to the resurrection. You're the thing that's greater. You are the thing that is greater that we long for. The whole will be filled by you. Help us, Father, to know that, to lay down those things that tear us away from you, those things that we have set up as idols. Help us to know you, to know that you are our Father. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's-